Welcome to Mom Jeans. I'm Rachel. And I'm Tina. And whether you wear a boyfriend, boot cut, high rise, or low rise, this podcast is going to teach you to love the jeans you're in. So mamas, put your booty in a chair and let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to the bonus episode called Kerbo. Today we're going to be talking about uh, the what and why behind this app that was created by Weight Watchers that has been catching a lot of terrible buzz lately or maybe positive buzz. I don't know, but it's been catching buzz. So Rachel and I are going to be chatting about it and telling you a little bit more details on what it is and why we believe that this is not an effective tool to help children become healthy and intuitive eaters. I want to throw out a disclaimer before we really dive into it that we're going to be using, unfortunately, the word obesity. We, Rachel and I, do not believe that this is an appropriate measure of someone's health or weight, nor do we use this word in our private practices or day-to-day lives. However, we are using this word today to simply quote, directly quote a statistic. So when you read about the Kerbo app, you will probably be reading about arguments on both sides of the debate about the appropriateness of Kerbo, depending on what research you do. Weight Watchers, or as it now goes by WW, is looking at the trendy, quote unquote, childhood obesity epidemic term that has been coined by the government that is based on the statistic of 18% of children under the age of 18 that fall under the category of quote-unquote obesity. If you go back to the episode on weight where we discussed BMI, you'll learn about the arbitrary system of setting weight ranges as well as why children should not be measured by the BMI scale which is exactly what the government's basically doing in order to classify weight when they apply the term obesity to children. So our arguments against this Kerbo app stems from the overwhelming research that shows the statistics of how many dieters and children who hate their bodies will either develop an eating disorder or spend a lifetime of miserably yo-yo dieting and not trusting their body. If you go on the NIDA website, under statistics and research, you will find frightening numbers that scare us way more than any falsified child obesity numbers on the CDC website. Tina, can you give us a few of these statistics? Yeah, so here's a couple. 57% of adolescents engage in crash dieting, fasting, self-induced vomiting, diet pills, or laxatives. Those who dieted moderately were five times more likely to develop an eating disorder. And girls who dieted frequently are 12 times as likely to binge as girls who don't diet. Or how about the fact that 95% of dieters are going to regain their lost weight in that one to five year time period. So ultimately, mamas, diets don't work. And while WW labels this as a wellness program that teaches lifestyle changes, I'm being very fluid <laughs> and exaggeratory with my words. Is exaggeratory a word? Lots of quotation marks here. Lots of quotes. Um, but really, WW is just putting lipstick <laughs> on a pig. That's the bottom line is that 
it is still steeped in diet culture because it makes eating a cerebral function rather than intuitive. So Rachel's going to tell us a little bit more about what the Kerbo app is. Okay, so we told you why we don't like it. Let's tell you what it is. Okay, so the Kerbo app recently came out a couple months ago. It's developed by WW for children. That's right. I said children. Ages 8 to 17. It's to help. My gosh. I know. I have an 8-year-old and I'm horrified. Okay, it's to help them. Isn't it to 4? Can we check that? Okay, so it's. To 18 on their website, on the app store, it says ages four plus. Yeah, I thought that. But that is crazy. So WW's website has it starting at age eight, but on the app store, it says appropriate for ages four plus, which again, Yikes. I think Elmo apps only for ages four. Yes. Not Kerbo. Okay. Okay. Keep on. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> so the goal is to quote unquote, again, lots of quotation marks in today's episode, to help children reach a healthier weight. But it basically encourages them to track every single bite they eat. It does this by having kids rate their foods under the categories of green light, yellow light, or red light. Green light foods are foods that are great to eat anytime. Yellow light are foods that are important for healthy eating, but watch your portions. Again, that's a direct quote. And red light foods are stop and think about how to budget them in. This also invites kids to basically set weight loss as the number one goal and encourages children to post before and after pictures to track their body transformations. Yeah. I can hear a lot of moms right now saying in their head, what is wrong with red light, yellow light, green light related to food? Because this is taught in some of our school systems. But I'm going to talk a little bit about why I think that this is a further problem for children. So one of my concerns with the app is how you, as the professional on the other side of the app, can actually assess if the client using the app is developing an eating disorder or already has an eating disorder or is already engrossed in diet culture and not appropriate to be using this app. Or how is the professional assessing that the energy needs that are recommended on the app are a safe and appropriate amount for a growing child? Or that the client slash child is actually following the recommendations in a safe way? Basically, they can't, you know? In order to figure this out, I really wanted to do a little bit of my own research. So... I created a fake profile because a lot of my peers were doing the same thing. And I'm like, I want to see about it myself. And one day I basically put that all I ate was lettuce and apples and fruits and veggies, nothing else. And I was giving the green light that I was doing a great job. And then I did the opposite, which I had a day where my family and I were quote unquote traveling and I ate a lot of denser foods that day because that's what was accessible and aka fast food places. But I was eating within an appropriate portion size. This is not real life. I was just kind of making an example. So on that day, I wasn't overeating appropriate portions but I was given yellow and red lights because according to the app, I was not eating properly and taking in too dense of foods. 
So ultimately this concerns me that children are going to learn that normal behaviors like traveling with their family and eating denser options or not even just traveling, just having a day where we're eating a little bit more and other days that balance it out, that they're not going to be able to normalize that as healthy habits around food. They're not going to learn moderation and they're ultimately not going to learn to express their emotions through healthy coping skills because they're going to be numbed out through restriction, maybe emotional eating or rebounding from the diet cycle and ultimately mistrusting their bodies. Yeah, I've seen some other anti-diet RDs that have also created fake profiles and and basically I've lifted the veil on what exactly this Kerbo app is coaching kids as red light, yellow light, green light foods. I think the bottom line is you and I and so many different RDs are trying to explain how complex food is. It's not a black and white situation where there's good foods and then there's bad foods. And if you only eat the good foods or you only eat the bad foods and you have to do it the exact same way every single day. There's so much flexibility in food and our relationship with food and that's where the true intuitive eating comes in. So this type of app has kids staying in this lane. It's the green lane. And then heaven forbid you cross over a little bit to the yellow lane and then, you know, make sure you're not in the red lane very often. And it's just very confusing. Like we just want more fluidity and flexibility to teach our children and not something that is so quote unquote simplified. Some of the foods that were given yellow or red on the app were foods that have a lot of nutritional value, such as avocado, hummus, applesauce, peanut butter, bread, milk, chia seeds and nuts. This is exactly what's making dietitians so infuriated because there are amazingly nutritious foods that are being broken down solely by their calorie content and simplified by a number and kids are being steered away from these foods. These are foods that our bodies and brains need, sometimes even more than fruits and vegetables to survive and to grow and to think in schools. Exactly. That's why I was so upset when I'm having that one day that is denser items where it's like, I'm not overeating. It's important that I take in these foods. And you can't just direct me to only have apples and lettuce all day. That is not healthy. But yet it's given me the thumbs up, green light, good job. It's also not enough uh, nutrients for thinking in school. To go back to some of our previous episodes on carbohydrates. Totally not. You're steering away from the number one brain food that children are needing in order to focus in school. Uh, So one of the main components of the app that Tina touched on a little bit as far as the professional quote-unquote on the other side of the app, basically the app will individually set you up with a coach. And this coach will be kind of your mentor that will help you meet your weight loss goals and keep you accountable. So I did some research on the qualifications of many of these coaches because I was kind of curious what professionals are on the other side of the app. They basically just need to pass a basic background check to make sure they're safe to work with children. And have, quote unquote, training in areas of fitness, nutrition, and behavior change. That's obviously a very general qualification in my opinion. Yeah, what does training mean? Okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> I don't I don't know because I literally clicked on, on that website, all the different bios of all the different coaches they have listed. Here are some of the degrees that these coaches have. Tourism management, healthcare management. IT consultant, politics, economics, yoga instructor, business, executive consulting, hypnosis, and ready, Chinese medicine. 
Oh do I gosh. need to go on? <laughs> I'm wondering if any of them are statisticians. Uh, yeah, or astronomers. I mean, good old Lammy from the previous Lammy, episode. hey, buddy. He would be great on the Kerbo app here. Um, sarcasm, sarcasm. Not, not to toot my own horn, but I know I personally spent six years in school, three years of internships, two state licensing exams, and another few years of specific eating sort of training in order to even be able to work ethically in my job. Tina, how many years did you spend studying nutrition science and becoming a licensed dietitian? Oh my gosh, really? You know, <laughs> so many. Uh, I did five years of undergrad because I wanted to stay in school longer, maybe. Yeah, I don't it's know. Fun. College Two is years, blast. College, yeah. Two years post-grad, which was an internship slash school combined, one national exam. I have to maintain my licensure since I'm in Texas and it's a licensed state. Same. I have to maintain CEU hours. And I've had many, many, many years of eating disorder training, pretty much since 2008. So I've taken courses. I've gone through the CEDRD specialty, same as Rachel. I mean, just spending so many years to become a specialist in the field. It's so you're lot. not an IT consultant who just does this in the evenings. I mean, I'm telling you right now, I don't have time for a lot of other things. If I were to go into another field, I don't think I could do this as well. No. How do people do this? I don't know. They they're, can't. They can't. That's the thing. Their training is very vague. Yeah. I mean, I also understand, though, how this can be challenging as a parent who's not an expert in the field. I have a friend that I interviewed who is a therapist in the eating disorder world who had an experience with her uh, two daughters, one specifically with uh, her daughter's pediatrician and then another with uh, her other daughter's teacher. And basically her pediatrician told her one daughter that she needed to be mindful about what she was eating because her BMI was concerning. When she was telling me this story, I immediately thought of how I wanted to include her in this episode. So check out the interview on this infuriating story. Hey everyone, we're here with Jenny Harris. Jenny Harris is a licensed marriage and family therapist. Here's a little blurb about her. Uh, she grew up in Houston, Texas. Yeehaw, y'all! Um, <laughs> she graduated from Vanderbilt University with a BS in child development and a minor in women's studies. Heck yeah, go Jenny. She then graduated with a master's in family therapy and a graduate certificate in women's studies. Man, you like got a lot of education here. Love it, love it. She's been in private practice for the last eight years with a focus on eating disorders, disordered eating, and body image struggles. She approaches eating disorders from an intuitive eating perspective and is haze informed and she is a fabulous therapist that I absolutely love working with, sharing an office space with, and she's just like a generally a rad human. So yeah, I wanted to bring you on this specific episode because we're talking about children and not having um, weight loss be recommended for children. And I immediately thought of you because um, you told me this terrible story one day in the office. And I thought, 
what better person to share this? I think it's important for people to realize that this happens to everybody, even professionals in the field. So would you be willing to share your experience you had at your child's pediatrician? Yeah, for sure. And I appreciate you thinking about me. Um, because yeah, it was a really crappy experience. Um, essentially, we had gone in for, well, we have two daughters. And so we had actually already had a kind of similar conversation with our pediatrician about BMI um, with our first or our older daughter when she was two or three. And I thought we had kind of nipped the conversation in the bud. Uh, but I guess we did not because with our second kiddo, when we went for her three-year-old uh, three check, you know, we went through all the tests. She asked a lot of questions. She looked over the, the um, survey we wrote, and she gave us a lot of really positive feedback about our kiddo, said, you know, her emotional, social development's great. Her vitals are great. She, you know, her sight, hearing, everything about her is just wonderful. You know, she looks like she's right exactly where she needs to be. Um but then she ended the session or the um, appointment by saying, you know, but I'm looking at her BMI and it shows that she's overweight. Um, my new she's three. Uh, said she's in the... Three years old. Yeah, three. Yeah. Um, and that she was in the 90th percentile um, or 90 something percentile. I could look it up. But, um, you know, and then started going into all of the health concerns that she was going to be at risk for and likely to have if her weight didn't change. Do you remember what those health concerns were? Um, I think heart disease was one of them. Um, Because she was three. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably diabetes or something, yeah. Yeah, I don't even remember because I think I, I definitely was more in the, like out of, flight, fight, or freeze, I was definitely in freeze, um, yeah. sort of confused about why we're having this conversation, um, and so I got a little, a little heated, a little frustrated, and just was saying, you know, we really, you know, in our house, we don't really think the BMI is a very helpful tool, right. um, you know, working with eating disorders, I don't think it's a very helpful tool, so I'm not, I'm not really concerned about it, and she said something like, yeah, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that, you know, or, or something like that. Like I hear that all the time, but it's really important that we look at it. And I mean, just look at your daughter. She's, she's chunky. Yeah. And I'm just like, I I beg your pardon. Oh my. Yeah. Three, like you have no way to indicate whether or not. For sure. And five minutes ago, she was tooting your daughter's horn about how well she's doing and developmentally thriving. Yeah, and, you know, and after watching, you know, how our our five-year-old has grown, remembering how I grew as a kid, yeah. there was that recognition of, you know, we're sort of like accordions, we kind of, you know, yeah. get thinner, we get squattier, we get thinner, we get squattier, you know, and it just kind of does its own thing, um, and so we kind of were going this back and forth where, you know, I think she said two things, I think she said, look at her you know, she's chunky, you know, she's definitely fat, I can see her roles, I was like, you know, I, I I think I was just speechless, I didn't really know what to say about it, because, you know, on the one hand, this was a a physician that had helped us out with a lot of hard stuff with our older child, and so Mm -hmm. I really had valued her help, and valued her as a doctor, but to then be put in this position where, 
you know, theoretically, I was at odds with her. I was worried about the things that she was saying right in front of my kiddo. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and then, you know, future tripping about how many other people are going to say things like this to my kids. How is that going to affect them? How, you know, and so I think I left the appointment a little stunned. Yeah. And I remember you coming into the office being like, I'm not wrong, right? You know, like, and that's where I was like, wow, this, I can't even imagine how this was for you because it's like, I know as a professional, you know, right? You know? Yeah, I, I, I believe it wholeheartedly. But again, you know, having a doctor tell you that yeah. your kiddo might have some health problems, you know, it still sinks in on some level. For sure. Plus, you know, then I got into this, this like mental tug of war of, you know, on the one hand, I was frustrated. I didn't um, advocate for my kiddo more and say, you know, like, I don't appreciate some of the things you're saying. Like, I don't think this is healthy. But then there was also this other part of, well, I also don't want to fat shame or, you know, carry on this idea that like if she is in a larger body that's a bad thing right she's insulting my kiddo by saying that and so I also didn't want to like I don't know it was just very challenging to figure out what do I even do for sure and I think it flows into my next question which is like how do you think you handled or would handle for the future as a mom and then as a professional because I think there's two brains going on there at the same time so how was that yeah. experience for you from both? Yeah, I don't know. It's still a super, I'm still confused on it because the, the two feel so fused for me. Yeah. You know, because I think I, I think of a therapist's role sometime as being, you know, a loving disciplinarian on some level. Yeah. Which is what we are as parents. So sometimes it, it feels like the role, the, the two roles are pretty similar. For sure. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I think if I could redo it again, I would want to, one, in the moment, you know, in front of my kiddo, talk to the doctor and say, you know, um, we, uh, we try really hard to live a healthy lifestyle that includes, you know, following the principles set by intuitive eating. Um, we believe that all bodies are going to be different. Um, you know, we exercise, we eat nutritious food we eat fun food we have a full variety of stuff so we're not really worried for about sure right know, in our way and I don't think it's helpful to talk about it in front of her yeah I think is what in an ideal world I'd like to go back and do yeah um, and then I, I think I would also have a conversation with her you know she has a really cool body that allows her to do a lot of things and that we all look different and that, you know, throughout her life, her, her body's going to look a lot of different ways. Do you feel like that's a conversation that you are going to have or that's necessary right now? Or I think, you know, I think it's necessary now, but I think it changes as they age. For sure. Yeah, but hurry, obviously, you know, most of that's not going to necessarily sink in. Right. But having some of those those shorter conversations of, you know, you're a healthy, fun girl. You have a really wonderful body that allows you to do cool things. Yeah. You know, exactly. And then maybe like asking her, what do you like to do in your body? Do you like to swim? Do you like to jump? Do you, you know, right. And just keeping it essentially age appropriate. 
But what I noticed, again, like, I feel like so much of my parenting has come from just watching with our older one. But with um, our older one, you know, I noticed that there was lots of things that we would tell her when she was little, like, specifically when we were pregnant, um, you know, telling her, we're going to have a baby, you're going to have a little sister, you know. And it seemed like she had no idea what we were talking about. There was no recognition. It was, like, blank stare. And I was like, "Uh, okay. Cool. <laughs> but we'd say it daily, essentially. Yeah. And then, you know, when we were like eight months pregnant, she all of a sudden one day was like, oh, there's a baby in your tummy. Oh. I'm going to have a little sister and I'm going to meet her at the hospital. Uh huh. So, so it's clicking. This is, yeah, this stuff is sinking in. Yeah. You know, we're, we're planting these seeds that hopefully you're creating, you know, ideas or help create your self concept. So, for sure. I, I still think it's important to talk about, but just, you know, making sure that the, the conversation continues to grow, you know, with their age. Right. So, as you kind of brought it up in your um, one of two points, like as an intuitive eater yourself and working in the eating disorder world, like I know you're an intuitive eater because one, I've seen you eat and two, we share people together and I trust you. But did this experience affect your confidence in your own eating, in your ability to feed your kids or any advice you would give to parents that have the same experience and then go, I don't know what I'm doing. Help me. You know, I've lost all my confidence. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, especially after talking to you, like it definitely gave me like a, a quick little reminder of like, oh yeah, yeah, she's fine. You know, her growth charts are fine. She's, you know, she's where she needs to be and trying to fit every three-year-old baby into the same body is, you know, as ludicrous as what we do with adults. And exactly. So, you know, I feel like that fear was eased pretty quickly, but it did remind me, um, or it did bring up for me, hey, maybe I need to be a little, even more purposeful mm-hmm. with instilling a lot of these beliefs into their daily eating habits. And, yeah. you know, because it is, it's very easy to, you know, like we want in this house to, to follow like, you know, rules, you know, put out by Ellen Satter or, you know, intuitive eating, these other things, but it's so easy to fall into, oh, you don't have, you don't finish your dinner, so no, you can't have ice cream. Right. Well, I don't really know if that's what I believe is appropriate. And so, in in my mind, more times than not, it's because, well, I want you to eat nutrition so you're growing. Right. And I don't want you to just not eat it so you'll get full with ice cream, you know. Right. Uh, or you're about to go to bed and I want you to be all rowdy. Exactly. Um, so, so I think what it brought up for me more is like, oh, gosh, this world is super hard to grow up in and have an appropriate relationship with food. So I need to be even more proactive about about that part. For sure. Yeah, I um, love how you're going more to, oh, I'm in, I'm continuing to instill this philosophy versus assessing the food because I think it's you know that you're doing what you need to be doing but more so am I instilling these beliefs in her that I feel so strongly about and how can I keep doing that because there are going to be these wackos who are telling my daughter whoever that their body isn't great or that they should be different you know like could you even imagine putting her on a diet and what would that even look like like what in the world is a baby on a diet I don't know. know And to the and 
like I'll, I'll say to the doctor's credit, you know, what her suggestion was, you know, instead of having French fries three times a week, have it once a week, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, like, some of her suggestions weren't like completely, you know, completely eliminate this type of food, right? Um, but that that concept was still very present of you. We need to be manipulating what's happening with her weight, which is, I mean. Yeah. The dietitian in me is like screaming inside because the reality is, is she's still within her growth curve. Like that's the main thing. And so it's like, yeah, sometimes I, I love your analogy about the accordion of like, sometimes we stretch and sometimes we squish. And as long as the growth, they are growing, everything is great. And that doesn't mean that they can't grow and gain or are gaining but not growing it something is happening and we have to trust that you know there's intention behind that um yeah but yeah i mean go ahead i don't know and i was just gonna say like even with the accordion analogy like it, it brought up for me like remembering when when both my kiddos were infants well more specifically the the older one um and i had a a nurse one time tell me don't only feed her every three hours. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I don't have a baby. Like, right. Sure. I'll, I'll like just sit with a stream of baby. Um, and so, and then she started losing weight and then I took her to an appointment. They're like, your baby's underweight. Like what, why, why is she underweight? Are you not feeding her? And it's like, oh gosh, I thought I was doing the right thing. And so then, you know, I, I got super focused on, is she getting enough? Is she getting enough? Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking about, it's like this back and forth of, oh my gosh, is your baby getting enough food? Oh my gosh, your baby's getting too much food. I mean, it, it feels like the obsessiveness that we have just, you know. For sure. The, the culture at large being hyper-focused on body and food and what's happening with it and how frugally should be doing it. And it just felt super overthought. Right. Uh, for sure. And so I think for those mamas listening to this podcast, it's like, look, we have two people right now talking uh, who are professionals in the field, Rachel included, so three people. We all have children and still, even though we feel confident in our abilities, it still can be confusing. So then we have this app that is coming out or is out and is trying to somehow guide children in changing their health you know they're under the guise that like hey we're not just losing trying to make them lose weight we're trying to assist them in health but if these aren't trained professionals if you're not meeting with the client individually and really assessing what's going on how the hell is this even possible you know what I mean like yeah this cannot be done in a safe it cannot be done in a safe way and it concerns me and makes me sad for all those little kiddos yeah for sure um, and I've definitely heard that feedback from other from other parents um, or teens who have said um, that their doctor, you know, told them you need to lose eighty pounds. Oh my gosh! Theory, and that and that is the suggestion. Yeah, you know? yeah. Your don't lose eighty pounds, and it's like, well, so how does one do such a thing? You know, yeah. If that's even a thing that's you know medically needed or whatever um right and so it's just sort of an absurd directive of like do this yeah and when I heard that feedback from some people I've asked them well did they ask you what you were currently eating how much you were currently moving like you know other things like that you know because we know 
the weight is just a symptom of something else. Like, mm-hmm. Right. You know, which also might just be that you have a different body type. <laughs> For sure. And, and not shaming that and just letting us all exist how we are. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Even with the clients too, it's like, you know, they're not having back problems. You're not having knee problems. You're not having things that, you know, medically yeah. weight might actually be, you know, complicating. Right. Well, for sure. And that's why I pointed out like, hey, your doctor had literally just tooted your little girl's horn saying everything's great, developmentally, amazing, growing, great, thumbs up. Oh, P.S. Weight. It felt very much she is going to have. Yeah, it's a weight normative approach that's saying weight is going to cause X, Y, and Z. And we know that to be false. It just, which is sad that your pediatrician is sitting in that realm of healthcare. So I think yeah. I think you're taking the positive route, which is like, hey, I'm not immediately changing pediatricians and possibly can educate this person and set my personal boundaries and, you know, guide that um, versus, you know, just immediately trying to find someone else. But that is just not always possible for everyone to do. So I think that that's awesome. And that's typically the route that I take of like, ooh, cool, this is an education route. And um, maybe we can get someone on this weight informative uh, system. So I don't know. Yeah, and that's what I'm that's what I'm hoping for. But yeah. it definitely is one of those situations where if this is an impasse that isn't passable, yeah, um, then it's going to have to be you know something. It's going to have to be the end of that for sure. Uh, but you know, and I think we talked about this that same day too. One of the things that brought up for me. Um, when it happened both times with both with both kiddos is that you know again as somebody who does this every day who feels very confident in their own eating and belief systems around food and body positivity it just made me so sad for people you know that have very um different understandings of diet culture and weight and so you know who were taking their very precious baby into a doctor's appointment and get the feedback of like you're you're condemning your child to a life of poor health. Yeah. Like, help lose weight. And it's like, dang, that's so, that would be so scary. So you know, scary. It's other side. Yeah, for sure. And I think that this is where ultimately diet culture is perpetuated of, it's a never ending system. If doctors and healthcare providers really don't start shifting it. And that's where, spreading this awareness around this app of like this is not the solution for children to have healthier habits or for parents to have healthier habits and so um i hope that those listening to this podcast can really just if you're still unsure then at least having this kind of open your eyes to do a little bit more research about a different avenue um to help your kids that could be something more long-term successful and body accepting so yeah Yeah, for sure and I think you know a while back when you were saying you know what would be your recommendation to other mamas um I think one of the best things that we can do for our kids and helping them you know love their bodies feel safe and good around food and exercise and you know body inclusivity is to just be really be really clear on where we stand mm-hmm. and the values we have around food and how we interact with food and body image and all these other things because, you know, we know that humans learn through repetition and modeling and if we're 
if we're not leading top down in that way I think I think that's a real tripping point for sure you know and that's yeah I mean I think it's we have to take care of ourselves so that we can raise families that are healthy themselves so I love that yeah and then I have different messages because you know I've even met people who are they're being really conscious about trying to you know be haze informed and practice intuitive eating with their kiddos but don't necessarily do it for themselves themselves. and so you have that disconnect it gets you know it's really well intended but it might not be having the same you know benefit yeah it's confusing for everyone involved so how does it feel to think that you have to monitor your kids food and make them lose weight i don't even know how you do that like you don't you know my my like our younger one is not fixing to eat something she doesn't want to eat. Right. I mean, this is... She can't even have the same plate. It can't even be on the same plate. Right. So, like, I'm not real clear how... Like, I'm supposed to make her eat whatever the hell she thinks that she's supposed to be eating. Like, and this is the thing with intuitive eating, and I hit on it in a previous episode, that, like, kids are the best intuitive eaters if we just let them do it. And per Ellen Satter, it's like, our role as parents, it's to present the food, provide variety, but we really cannot tell them how much and when and all of that. So, you know, if if they're not wanting to eat it, they're not going to eat it. And that's just that. And so I think you, you hit it right on the head when you're saying like, oh, and I'm going to set boundaries that it's like, I want you to eat this meal and not fill up on ice cream solely because I don't want you running around banging your head off the wall. Not because ice cream's bad or anything, but because yeah. it's... It's close to bedtime, and we know that this makes you hyper. Like, that's yeah, just the reality. Tired. Yeah, but we're not going to force you to eat your green beans in order to have ice cream. And so um, yeah. I think you're just saying it great, where it's like, no, we we really can't, and we're also doing a damn good job. So, um, yeah, I can't even – I can't – yeah, I can't tell that happens. But, yeah, we try to talk um, a lot about – you know, kind of what food does for you, you know? Like, yeah. Oh, we have protein that's going to help us, you know, continue to grow. Like, yeah. vegetables are going to help you not, you like, so I'm going to get constipated. It's like, hey, you got to eat those. Help you not feel bad. You help know? you poopy. Yep. Popcorn's super yummy and makes movies really fun. Like, you know. I love it. trying to talk about, like, all foods serve a function. Yeah. do different things. All are fine, you know. And, yeah, just, you know, one more thing I wanted to reemphasize was, you know, in regards to the appointment that we had with our daughter, I think one of the things, and I, I said it a little bit earlier, but I want to make sure I was clear on it. You know, one of the things that was so hard about it is because, you know, when I told some other people about this story, you know, some of the reaction I got was, oh, I can't believe she's had your baby with fat. And yes, I had that same reaction, but it was more due to, this seems ridiculous that you have any sort of belief system about what's happening with my kid's body when she's three and you're putting a label on her while she's growing and that's stigmatized. Yeah. But, but the sense I got from some other people is that it felt like a, a, an insult and I wanted to find a way to, you know, communicate to others or communicate to my daughter or whatever that, you know, we don't want to shame being in a larger body that's not an insult it's not bad what was what was bad was the was the 
labeling her as unhealthy because she had a body, a body style, shape, size, whatever that the doctor had, had decided was wrong. For sure. Not even using anything valid. Instead, using the judgment that, oh, hey, your weight is in this category and that is a bad thing and going to cause all these diseases versus actually looking at the true health of your daughter, which is great. There's nothing wrong. Yeah. 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 And so it became super complicated on how to communicate that of like, I'm not upset because you called my kiddo fat. I'm upset because you're, you're supporting this, you know, this weight stigma or, or fat phobia or the idea that we're all supposed to fit into the exact same body and that and then you know attributing some of that or attributing the parts that she said were bad to my kiddo yeah you know yeah if that makes sense and it so, does yeah yeah i feel like when I, like telling girlfriends are like ah, they called your baby fat and it's like well that's not that's not the problem yeah i'm not scared of the word and i'm not scared to have a fat child it's don't yeah. tell my kid that they need to change when everything's great and their body is perfect how it is. I yeah. would be, I would feel the exact same way. And am already being super protective about all of this and none of it's even happening yet, you know? So um, we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah. And I'd be curious to see how it goes with me having a son. And for sure. You know, they're, they're, I, unfortunately, there definitely is. A difference and I don't want it to have to be that way but it is um yeah. so yeah we'll see um I'm curious what you you know hearing hearing this story you know and with everything you know and being a mom like what do you think is the um some takeaways for other moms listening to this episode yeah I think it's it really is making sure that you're educated on what is the true assessment of health and it is never safe to force a kid to change its weight even if their weight is sitting at a range that you feel is too heavy or they have too many rolls or whatever people are saying it just we have to allow these children to let their body do their thing and if they are they're in in their growth pattern, then let it happen. I think that, and or at the same time, having a child that has beautiful roles that we can smush into, that's way better. Yes, that is way better than um, shoving them into a lifestyle of dieting. And you know, you and I see so many adults struggling with eating disorders in the diet culture with negative body image and I would say a strong majority it's like oh yeah my mom put me on a diet when I was four years old and it's like huh why I don't that no so yeah so to preach to those mamas it's like stay educated make sure you're tapping into resources and truly know that weight is not a predictor of our health um you know we can all weigh various amounts and be at the epitome of health and it's no different for our children um so hopefully listening to you know this series and this 
episode specifically, you know, we can help guide everyone in that. Um, and then, you know, we'll just, Rachel and I, and, you know, Jenny, thanks for being on this, but we'll just all yeah, continue to educate and provide the resources so that, you know, we all can ourselves be intuitive eaters and raise intuitive eaters. So, yeah. Thanks for joining, Jenny. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. Appreciate you. Appreciate what you do. Yeah. Mom jeans. Yeah, mom jeans. <laughs> All right, transferring back to Rachel and I. So I want to thank Jenny for letting us interview her. So thank you, Jenny. Thanks, You're amazing. Jenny. So to kind of go a little bit deeper into why that situation that Jenny experienced just really pissed me off is that this pediatrician is assessing her child's health off of her BMI and like we had stated in the previous episodes on your weight a child's health should not be using BMI it should be using their appropriate growth curve the growth curve allows us to measure a child's growth with appropriate ranges of fluctuation So this is for the purpose that children go through growth spurts and puberty and they should not be measured within a small range like BMI. Also, that will mean that they may hold on to weight and planning for a growth spurt. So ultimately, what is going to happen if a child is holding on to more weight for this growth spurt and instead we're putting them on a diet because their BMI is judged, their pediatrician is judging them off of their BMI? How do you think that's going to affect their development. Yeah, Mama Seth, if you have an experience where your pediatrician or someone else that's a trusted adult gives you some feedback on your child's weight and maybe suggestions on how to change it, I want you to really get a second opinion from someone who's more trained in the eating disorder field or in the anti-diet approach. We really are against diets for children, and we come at it from a lot of statistics. And like we started this episode with, we want you to pay attention not just to the statistics that sometimes the pediatrician or the CDC go by, but the statistics of the long-term implications of all this. So we wanted to share Jenny's story with you because we understand how confusing this might be for you when you want to put your child's health as a priority, but you're not exactly sure how to do it. Um, so we just want to give you a little bit more information on the concerns that we have about a lifetime of dieting. Exactly. And I mean, Jenny works in the field, so she's a trained professional that has the background that Rachel and I have, and she still had a hard time with it. So hopefully that can validate a little bit to you all that this is a really challenging situation. So my question that, you know, I want you all to kind of think about is how does engaging in a life of dieting or starting dieting at such a young age create true healthy habits? I'm going to say that most of my clients that engage in diets as a young child are still struggling with food behaviors, negative body image, and mistrust with their body. I don't think that this type of system is helping us develop healthy behaviors. I'm also upset with the person behind all of this, Oprah, that backs WW and Kerbo. This is a person that has struggled with dieting all of her life and body image issues. And she's been very vocal about that. She's not hiding that this is an issue for her. The part that really frustrates me is that Oprah, she's a famous figure. And instead of 
using her status for the good, the greater good, and to spread true, positive, healthy eating habits, she's yanking other people in her in the depths of her struggle. She's trying to convince us to have young children and adults go through the same torture that she's been through. Yeah, Oprah, I love you, but I'm very disappointed in you. Yeah. I mean... I think, too, Oprah's very open about her history of severe childhood trauma. So I would think that she'd be more understanding of how objectifying children's bodies would harm kids and just be so much more protective of them. Yeah, this is all super disgusting to me. I get really pissed off. I think we were very clear in our weight episodes about the complexities about what contributes to weight. And this is especially true of children. So this is a direct quote from WW in its attempt to sell this app. When it comes to helping kids and teens get healthier, science tells us that family-based behavior change programs work. Translation, you need your whole family behind you and small changes add up to big results. That's why Kerbo is all about building new habits that make you feel great with lots of support from your parents. But ultimately, how do we help kids actually take charge of their health? First, we want to remind you that the external body size is not an indicator of our health, our children's health. So we automatically cannot support this app if weight loss is disguised as a health concern. While there are occasions where a child's weight can have actual physical side effects that would require medical attention, putting kids on diets is not ever the answer. Yeah, I think the fact that Kerbo is toting this as a family program, they're getting close to the concept that the overall family dynamic change is a key component in children's health. But this app really isn't geared towards the entire family. It's geared towards the child. So it's feeling a little sketchy, in my opinion. I think to answer your question of how do we help kids take charge of their health, overall, family support the family dynamic changing, and therapy to assess management of anxiety, depression, and trauma, teaching kids to cope without using food is the answer. I mean, sometimes kids will have ADHD or autism and their impulsivity comes out with their relationship with food. The answer then is medication or other diagnostic appropriate interventions, not a diet. Sometimes the family dynamic is such that The only foods offered and purchased are higher caloric foods because of finances or lack of education. So in that case, there's no way a child can single-handedly diet if the family is providing the foods for these children, which is most cases, family buys the foods, not the kids. I don't know many eight-year-olds that are doing the grocery shopping. Sorry. Exactly. I mean, sometimes abuse and trauma are prevalent in the home, and food's a coping skill for the children to escape. Again, dieting and the Kerbo app have nothing to do with this. Appropriate social work interventions are the answer. I think it's BS that Kerbo is selling this as a family app because you actually do not need parental approval to download the app if you're above the age of 13. So ages 8 to 13 need parental approval. 13 and up, they can do it on their own. Can I ask you how they're even vetting if a child is really 13? I don't know. Exactly. So anybody can say that they're 13 
I mean, kids are smart, man. You know, they could just put in a different birth year. There's also no um, need for doctors to sign off on this. That's crazy to me. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. You also are tracking your food alone and being coached by a complete stranger. So this is not a family-oriented app, but a diet app for children. Let's just call it what it is. And it's a diet app for children to attempt to regulate their intake and exercise without any family supervision or family changes or medical supervision. Family is absolutely a big component to wellness because they're buying the foods. They're sending the messages. They're having the conversations about weight and bodies around the table. And they're in charge of movement, what sports their kids are enrolled in, what the family activities are on the weekends. I just really feel for kids who are trying to change all alone, who are watching their family eat pasta and sitting there thinking, well, I can't eat that because I'm out of red foods. Or watching their family watch TV and do errands on a Saturday thinking, well, my app says I need to go out for a run, but I don't know how to do that. So that's where often Tina and I see clients secretly exercising in their rooms or running up and down the halls and getting obsessed up and down the stairs. I mean, this really takes a turn in the clients that we see. Yeah. I think I think anyone can say that weight bullying is one of the most traumatic things a child can experience. Those nasty names and comments will stay with them forever. So naturally, we want to protect kids from that. So why wouldn't weight loss be the solution? It's not the solution because it will just add another layer of self-hatred. Telling kids they need to diet doesn't protect them. It actually destroys them further. Now they're not only fat, but they're going on diets with no education. They're eating differently from their peers and their family. They're made to feel like an outcast. They're obsessing over food and exercise, setting themselves up for a lifetime of restriction and exercise addiction. And they're experiencing cognitive impairment due to low nutrients, which could lead to lowered grades and then an entire new set of self-esteem issues. A lot of times these kids will then also receive praise for weight loss, which only emphasizes that their worth is external. And they're being objectified by posting their photos online. If any parent found out that a random adult on an app was telling their child to post photos of themselves, I mean, all the alarm bells would sound. But yet, it's okay with Kerbo because it's the name of weight loss. I mean, that's just that's just so sick to me. It's terrible. It's terrible. So we mentioned before that the app is being sold, quote unquote, and that is because it's not a free app, but rather it comes with a membership plan for a fee of $69 a month. However, the rates go lower if you sign up for longer. What a deal. So not only, oh, what a deal. (laughs) Terrible. Children are now being seen as money-making commodities. Americans spend over $60 billion on dieting and diet products each year. I, I can't, I can't with that number. That makes me sad, that makes my heart hurt. If the government and WW actually cared about children's health, they would revamp the systems that are actually in place that feed the children. What foods are covered by food stamps and WIC? What foods are served in cafeterias? How much PE do our children have? Schools are government run. WIC is government run. And these are completely free resources that families and children have access to, but no. No one's making any of these changes because it's expensive for them. So instead, they're going to shame your kid for the effects of their system and then ask you to pay $69 a month to fix the problem. So 
childhood health is something that we're all concerned about and it's being labeled as a problem. So is this a problem that we are looking to fix or how do we treat children and keep them healthy without putting them on diets? Yeah. I want to first start off with the fact that like growth happens, our lifestyles change and kids' bodies are super resilient. So a diet is never actually never going to be the answer. If we allow them to be kids and trust in their own bodies and get them support if they need it, then they'll be okay. Secondly, if a child is actually struggling with their eating, their body image, their mental health, I would recommend setting them up with a team of professionals that work in that field. Examples could be dietitian, therapist, a medical doctor, a psychiatrist, sitting down with their school counselor, someone getting them the help they need. Ideally, setting them up with a team that believe in the health at every size movement and actually practice that philosophy. If you don't know what that movement is, then go back and listen to episode five, which is your weight part two, where we explain all of that. This intervention is going to ensure that your child is being assessed based off of their actual health of their body, their food behaviors, their mental health, their coping skills versus being stigmatized and judged based off of their weight. Yeah, I also encourage a full psychological assessment to look for other diagnoses that might be causing the weight changes or the use of food as a coping skill. In our field, we say that weight is a symptom. It's not a behavior or a problem. I always want to know what is really going on with this child and this family because it's not a simple dietary change that a child can make alone. The bottom line is that children should not be using this app, and parents should be seeking out more educated professionals if they have concerns about their child. Eating is intuitive, and the greatest gift that we can give our children is teaching them how to honor their bodies, not punish their bodies. So we really want to encourage you mamas to get a lot more information and to give your child the well-rounded approach of psychological support, emotional support, coping skills, and nutrition in order to raise the healthiest kids possible. We want your child to learn to love their body, and we want you to get the support and that you need in order to raise them to be body-loving kids. Well said. We hope this episode was really helpful for you, and if you have any more questions, feel free to reach out to us on the Facebook page, Mom Jeans the Podcast. There might be some interesting discussions going on with other mamas about how to manage Kerbo and other dietary advice for children. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. This episode of Mom Jeans was produced and edited by Rachel Coleman and Tina LaVoy. Thank you to Jerry DePizzo for the music production. You can find episode information and show notes at www.momjeansthepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at momjeansthepodcast and join the Mom Jeans The Podcast Facebook group to find a community of mamas learning to love their bodies and discussing the episode. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mommy. See you next time.